Well, good evening. We're so glad that each one of you are here tonight. We praise God. You're not hearing me? Turn me up, Matt. They can't hear me. Now can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Well, we praise God for you being here tonight. We're uh, excited about what God's going to do. And I feel like that this has been prayed over a lot. Folks are excited about it. Bonnie's ready to share the word. And more than anything else, I believe God is ready to come and make a visit right here, right now, tonight. If we'll just open our hearts and let him come in. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to move in our midst. I believe that. So I welcome you. I say thank you for being here. I, uh, I want to say thank you to Brother Jeff and the uh, praise band from Believers Baptist Church as they will be leading us in our praise and worship. And I'm looking forward to that. So at this time, if you would join me as we pray, I'll ask them to come and lead us to praise and worship after that. Lord God, we praise you. We love you so much, Father. And we ask you tonight, Lord God, our hearts, minister to the needs of every person here. And Lord God, let us just open our hearts as and let us be receptive unto the word and under the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Bless the praise man as they lead us in praise and worship. Bless Brother Monty as he shares the word. And Lord God, I pray every heart will be receptive to what the Holy Spirit has for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Jeff, come and lead us, brother. Well, good evening. There we go. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is great to be here. I tell you what, it's it's uh, coming home for me, and and I appreciate for. Uh, all, all of you to be together and, and be here tonight and for inviting us to be able to come and do some music. And we just want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ for you tonight. Uh, nothing else is, is more important than that. We want to lift him up. We want to give him the glory. And so uh, I'm sure we'll be singing some songs you know, maybe one or two that we don't. But here's the rules, all right? We're going to have the lyrics up for everything we do. And if you like congregational music, then sing. If you like special music, then I guess don't sing. But uh, hopefully, uh, if, if there's some that you don't know, hopefully you'll hum along and start getting to know them, one in particular that I'll introduce here in just a little bit. Let's all stand. Onward, dear. 
with the winds a mighty voice Jesus saves Jesus saves let the nations now rejoice Jesus saves Jesus saves shall salvation fall and free Sometimes people like to stand up, but whatever you want to do for worshiping the Lord, just make sure you're doing it for Him tonight. Amen? You are my God. 
This is Rebecca. I'm Jeff. This is Aaron. That's Danny. Uh, this is Stephanie that just came up on the stage. That's Jesse. This is James. And this is James. We call him James 2.0. <laughs> and every, every service that you come is probably going to be a little bit different group up here, but uh, that's, that'll be all right. We just are glad to be a part of this.
I wonder if anybody here has any memories of your past life that you're a little ashamed of. <laughs> more, more than what I want to think about. Things, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll have things that if you knew that the person next to you or across the room from you knew about, you'd, be, you'd feel kind of ashamed or embarrassed. And I certainly have that. And honestly, if God hadn't intervened in my life, I kind of have a, a, a good idea of what I might be today, and it's not very good, not very pretty. But he did intervene in my life, and I'm so thankful for that, and it's all, all due to him. So I think one of the things that the Lord would have each one of us to understand is that whatever's in your past, nothing's too big for him to forgive, nothing's too big for him to clean up, and that you are able, because of the blood of Jesus Christ and for no other reason, you are able to stand before him clean. Precious blood has left me forgiven, pure like the whitest of snow, powerful to make sin and shame retreat, this covenant is making me greatest news ever, isn't it? The greatest news ever.
Now, you may not know this song right now, but you're going to by the time this uh, weekend is over with. I talked with Brother Monty. He gave me some of the scriptures that he was thinking he might use. And as he is telling me, this song just hit me right between the eyes. So we'll be doing this a few times this week. So if you don't get it this time, I hope by Sunday night you'll have it down. And it's a wonderful song. It's called, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. Thank you. 
Lord God, we, we come to you right now in the name of the precious Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you so much for being willing to lay down your life to atone for our sins, to provide forgiveness for us. And right now, we just want to say that we uh, believe and we acknowledge that you are high and lifted up, that you are the Lord of this universe, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And Lord, you are the beginning and the end of our lives, uh, of our churches. Lord, you are everything. And we just want to turn our hearts in such a way that whether uh, we, we actually get down on the floor on our knees tonight or if it's something that happens in our hearts that we bow before you. Lord, you are, you are Lord. You are the Son of God, God in the flesh. We lift your name. Lord, I just pray that tonight that anything that's in my life that should not be there, I just pray, Lord, first that you would forgive it, you would open my eyes to it, that you would correct it, and that you would put me on a path of righteousness. Lord, I pray all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus. And now I just pray that you would cause your word to sink into our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you all so very much. We praise God for that. You lead us in praise and worship. I was told that I am to introduce this uh, gentleman that's going to be speaking tonight. I've known him all of his life. I could tell you some stories, but they all include me, so I'm not going to do that. But I will tell you that this young man has been in the ministry for over 50 years. He shared the gospel Arkansas, Texas, Alabama, and South Africa. He was an IMB missionary, he and his family, for 13 years in South Africa working with the Kosa people. And I know I don't say that right, but that's okay. He understands. Monty has been a very stable marker in the lives of the Mills family. He has done a great work for God. He loves the Lord from one end to the other and all in between. I can't say enough good things about my brother. Except he didn't keep me from going and shooting my BB gun when I was six years old. Because he was born on the very same day I was, only six years later. 
Brother Monty, come share what God's laid on your heart, brother. May not have got to shoot his BB gun when he was six years old, but some years later he shot me right here with an arrow. <laughs> so, hey, it's all about Jesus, and without Him there's not anything, and with Him you got everything, and uh, you know as we stand before him we find out how much we're loved in all these years the people are always talking about well nobody loves me and nobody cares and, and in this world that's true you know I don't know a whole lot of folks that really care about me one way or the other you know I mean I, I Yes, I've got family and I've got some friends or whatever, but you look at the big scale of things, and there's not. Don't feel alone, you know. We're all about in the same boat. Except there's one thing you keep forgetting. You quote it often, or you used to. You know it. For God so loved the world that he gave. Hallelujah. God so loved you and me that he gave his son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hey, you're loved. <laughs> you're loved by the only one that it matters that he loves you. You're loved supremely. So often... People say, well, you know, I'm not sure in the, the, how can God love me or how much does God love me and, and all these kind of things. And, and you know, the thing is, the value of anything is based on the price someone is willing to pay for it. You, you know, I, I like it when they give all these appraisals of stuff. Well, this is worth, well, all right, just give me the money. You can have it. No, it's worth that if you can find someone that's going to give you that amount of money for it, right? Other than that, it's not worth anything except whatever the sentimental value or the, you know, the emotion you have tied to it, all these sort of things. But it's really not worth anything except that you can find someone that's willing to pay you that price. You know how much God loves you? The same amount he loved Jesus because that's what he paid for you was Jesus Christ, his son. God so loved that he gave his son the most precious, valuable. I mean, there's not any more that could be given. You can't be worth more than that. And God so loved, he looked out upon you and I and the lostness of the world as dark and evil as it is and said, I see value and worth, and this is the price I'm willing to pay.
And Jesus was obedient. He left the throne of glory, came to this earth as, a, as an infant born in that manger, lived that life, and was obedient, the Scripture says, all the way to the death on the cross. Man, you're valuable. You're precious. God loves you. But as we were seeing a while ago, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with me. I couldn't pay the price. I couldn't pay the ransom. But someone loved me enough that did, and that person was God. And his son, as he gave him, he loved me enough that he went all the way to the cross. You know, we go back and quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish. And, and in my lifetime, and in my time of ministry of over, like I said, I don't know, 56 years, something like that now, I've watched how we've taken the gospel and we just keep moving it from what God has said and we keep moving it down to man. And, and we've got into this thing of an easy believism. It comes to the place that I can say, well, yeah, okay, I, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Well, all right, I believe He came. I, and we could go through all those things. And, and the thing is, to realize, to believe, takes more than mental assent. I hate to tell you, the devil believes all those things. He knows it. And he will never be born again. In fact, the scripture says the demons know and believe. And it says what? They tremble. It amazes me the number of people that say they believe in Jesus and they, they want to worship the true and living God. And man, they're just kind of slap happy. Well, hallelujah, you know. The scripture does say that Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so we come back to this place to know that God loves us and He makes it available. And, and, and that's all His part and He's completed it to the utmost. He's done everything that is necessary. And, and the Spirit draws and opens our eyes to that and is calling us into that response. But that response is more than a list of, of facts or doctrines or teachings or even scriptures that say, okay, well, I accept that. I mean, the devil's done all those things. Take your Bible and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And as we look at this, we're going to look tonight at what it really means to be born again. what it really means to walk in that love and in that grace, in that mercy, in that wonder of what Jesus paid for on the cross. Because he didn't just pay for you a ticket to get to heaven. And he didn't just pay for your sins to be forgiven. Those things are true. 
But there's a whole lot more. And one of the sad things is, is the majority of Christians don't live up to all he paid for. I want to tell you something. When I go into a store and I buy something, I want all I paid for. I don't want a portion. I don't want, you know, a reject. I don't want a return. If I pay full price, I want the full thing, the real thing. It's amazing to me how many Christians let Jesus pay and then they don't receive or live. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a very familiar passage again. As he's talking here to the, to the Corinthian church and he's talking to them in this fifth chapter uh, about the presence of Christ as, as we move into eternity and we could even talk about his return in heaven and how we'll get rid of this earthly suit and put on our heavenly body. He talks about future reward and the fact that we're going to be blessed uh, through Christ, that, that our sins are forgiven and we'll appear before him. He talks about our walk with him because of his love, his love for us. But I want us to go down to a passage that we're usually fairly familiar with. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17. I want to read through the end of the chapter. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or reckoning their trespasses and sins to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as, through, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him or in Christ. Folks, you know, everything about it, we, we have got to come back to the place and get back to the scripture, the truth of the word, to realize, as we say in that song, it's not I, but Christ who's in me. And if the Lord allows me, and it's kind of where I shared with Jeff, and, and, and looking at the overall thing, and I hope he lets me get there, out of Colossians 1, and particularly there in 27, where Paul is writing and he said, I'm going to show you what's been hid, but now it's revealed, and it's this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now as we look at this, we come back and, and realize as we come into this, he said, if anyone is in Christ, or Christ is in them, it's a mutual thing. You can't have Christ in you unless you're in Christ, and vice versa. And so therefore, when we come to the place to realize if any man is in Christ, what does he say? He is a new creation, a new creature. He's not remodeled, he's not made over, he's not washed and cleaned up, 
and said, well, hey, he looks better than he used to. He's not quite as dirty. He's not quite in whatever. But it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. It's amazing to me how many folks say, I've been born again, and they have their life just like it was before they prayed the prayer, got wet, and joined the church. Their wants, their desires, their motivations, their priorities. Now they've compartmentalized in Jesus that Jesus, you can have Sunday morning or you can have this time, but you have to realize, God, I, I've got other things to do. I, I've got, you know, I, I mean, I've got a job and I've got family and I've got sports and I've got, and we go through all of our things and, and we make Jesus just one of those things. Well, I hate to tell you, he paid for the whole thing. And that's one of those changes that comes about if you're truly born again. Now, you can join up. And then you can live like you want to. One of the biggest problems we have in church today is we're set on this. We want comfort and we want convenience. If it's comfortable, that's all right. If it's convenient, that's better. And as we begin to look, we, we look around and we talk about what's going on and the evil and all that's around us and the problems that are around us. And you know where it's begun? It's not out there in the world. It's right here in the church. Quit blaming the world. It's not their fault. It's our fault. God is waiting for a people to come back to Him. We, I see that on the signs everywhere, you know, Second uh, Chronicles 7, 14. If my people hear my voice, you know, da-da-da-da. Well, why in the world do you got that out there? It's not for the world. They can't do that. It's only believers. It's the people of God. I hear people all the time, well, if they'd repent and they'd quit doing this and quit doing that, well, I hate to tell you, it's not a matter of their quitting. It's a matter of when you and I come back to who Christ has made us to be. You can't join up with Christ. You're either born again or you're not. It's like one man said here recently. I was sharing and listening to and talking with him. He said, you know, you either, you're either dead in your trespasses of sin or you died on the cross. You can't be both. Why? Because it said, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. In Romans chapter 6, what does it say? It says that we, what, died with Christ. Ooh. And then it goes on and says something even more difficult. We were buried with Christ. And then it goes on, hallelujah, because it's not just, well, we, we, we died and we were buried Hey, we live by the power of the resurrection. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the gift that Jesus gives when you get born again. And He comes, what? To raise you up. What? In Romans chapter 6, it says what? That you might walk in the newness of life before God. Not so you can join up. Not so you can be good. But so that you can walk a what? New life. One of the biggest problems is we don't, you know, we don't deal with folks about, well, you've got to die to the old. Well, you know, just maybe if you reform a little bit. 
you know, I don't, I, or whatever you think your big sin is, quit doing that one and we'll probably be all right. See, we've got this idea that, that somehow we can't be pure, we can't be holy. I hate to tell you, can God lie? No. And God said what? Be ye holy as I am holy. Is he going to tell you to do something he's not going to enable you and equip you to do? No, but you see, we come back to the place and rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus and the power of the resurrection and allowing the Spirit to create us this new creation, we look and say, well, you know, I'm just no sinner. I mean, you know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, hallelujah, you were. But if you truly have been saved by grace, you are now a saint. You're a child of the living God. Quit living under the shadow of I'm just an old sinner. What did you say? We became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. We've done a disservice by telling folks, well, you know, you just don't expect anything. I've got a Bible study I teach with men. I was talking about some of this, and one of my young fellows, well, I guess he's young, he's in mid-40s, he's young to me now. And, uh, you know, we were talking about it and, and trying to deal, because people get all hung up, well, you know, we're not going to be sinless. You know, we're, we're going to have to sin. Well, I don't think you have to sin, but I agree you are going to sin. And so he brought a T-shirt. And you know what he had on T-shirt? It was something that we said, and, and all it says here, Jesus is sinless. S-I-N-L-E-S-S, sinless. Got it? And right there he says, we need to be, we need to sin less. S-I-N, new word, L-E-S. It's not, well, I just throw up my hands, well, it's just, I've got to do it. No, you don't. Not if you're born again, not if you're filled with the Spirit, not if you're going to be the new creation. Now, if you're not the new creation, then, hey, you know, be religious. You can do, you can do whatever you want to do. You can make your own rules. And that's what most of us have done. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to take us up to where God is in all of his splendor and wonder and glory, we have brought God down to where we are and said, well, God, you have to realize I'm just human. You realize you use that, you're going to go to hell quicker than ever. Nicodemus came to Jesus in John, in John 3 and said, What must I do to be saved? And what did Jesus tell him? You must be born again. He said, I'm old, I can't do it. He says, You must be born of the Spirit. When you get born of the Spirit, you become a new creation. When you get born of the Spirit, you're transformed and changed. You know, it's always amazed me as Jesus walked down the road and, and there were those early, uh, what we now call disciples and, and, and all, and they were fishermen and so forth and so on. And he looked at them and says, come follow me. Man, they packed up and followed him. Most of us said, well, now let me see what my calendar's got. Well, it's really not convenient. I'm not gifted in that area. I'm so tired of people in the church telling me that. Well, that's not my gifting. Well, if you got the Holy Spirit, you got all the gifts you need. Well, I don't like to do that. Doesn't matter whether you want to do it or like to do it. I tell you, God's asked me to do a whole lot of things I did not like or necessarily want to do. 
I mean, He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He is my Lord. And there's one thing that you do not ever say to the Lord of the King. You know what that is? You never can say no. But see, that's where we've got where we live, and we we're becoming comfortable in it, and, and and we want it convenient, and we you know come on, this is not this hurts, and this is. Go back and study the Gospel of John and Jesus' teachings as he's moving from the upper room through the garden or going out to the garden, and man, he gets down right. <laughs> he just gets honest. He said, you know what? They're going to get to where they they hate me. They're going to hate you. They've persecuted me. You know what? They're going to persecute you. In fact, they're going to kill you and throw you in prison. And they're going to say they're doing it for me, for God. The thing I'm saying is I'm, you know, I want to encourage you to dare to want all that Jesus paid for on the cross. I'm not telling you you're bad. In fact, I have to be honest, as a man who's, who's done a lot of this preaching, we really kind of taught you wrong. God's going to ask me sometime, Monty, why in the world did you say that? Why did you do that? You, you know, well, I did have to grow up and learn and had to walk some places to finally, you know. But now that I do, I, I have to tell you. Why? Because God loves you. He loved you so much He gave His Son for you. And He didn't love you just to get you a little bit. He loved you to give you the whole thing. I want you to have that whole thing. He's no respecter of persons. He's not looking for just some little special group. He's not looking for the super spiritual. He's not looking for the super intelligent or educated. He's not looking for those who have all kinds of, of giftings. Well, you know, I can sing or I can paint or I can, you know, whatever it is. And he's not looking for those. You know who he's looking for? The believer. Whosoever believes shall not perish. But that believing's got to move from a head knowledge, if you say to a heart knowledge, I tell you what, it's got to move to action. It's got, you've got to step up. You've got to, you're going to have to count out everything lost that you might win Christ. I don't care how good you are, how rich you are, what your pedigree is, go back and study Paul's writings again. And in Philippians, he says, hey, of all the stuff you're talking about, I'm the best of all. I, I, I'm educated. I, I got the family tree. I've got all the stuff. And then he comes back and said, but I count that as dung that I might win Christ. We've got to come to the end. If any man be in Christ, you've got to be in Christ. It's in Christ is where the new creation is. One of the problems I'm realizing, again, I, I was listening to uh, Leonard Gravenhill. I don't know if any of you know Leonard Gravenhill. He's with the Lord now. But he was an old preacher and made a lot of folks mad. But, uh, you know, anyway, he made this statement. He said, one of the problems I see in the church today is this. We've got a whole lot of people who have studied a lot and they listen to all the stuff and they go to all the seminars and We'd say podcasts today and all that sort of thing. And man, they know the Word of God. But there's a problem. They don't know the God of the Word. They've got all the information. They can argue it. They can teach it. They can say it. But they don't know the God of the Word. 
I saw that real early as I began to realize that I had people who sat before me Sunday after Sunday. And they could stand up and they could tell you the Bible stories and they could quote to you scripture and they could and they even liked to pray and so forth. And they knew all those things, but all of it was they could tell me about Jesus, but they didn't know him. Let me give you an example. I just asked you how many of you knew Leonard Ravenhill. How many of you here know Leonard, knew Leonard Ravenhill? Anybody besides me? All right. He was an old British preacher. Came over here and stirred things up because he wasn't always nice. You know, maybe that's where I get my problem. But anyway, the reason I say that, I could stand here and tell you. I could tell you he's from England. I could tell you he preached this. And I, he's written this book, one of his greatest books. It's why does revival tarry? If you hadn't read it, I encourage you to read it and, and so forth. But after I got through telling you things about Leonard Ravenhill, and I could make a long list, when I got through, you could rehearse to me what I'd told you about Leonard Ravenhill. But if I ask you, how many of you here know Leonard Ravenhill? I'd be the only one that could raise my hand. I'm the only one that's ever seen him. I'm the only one that's ever talked to him. I didn't know him well, but I have met him. I did know him. You see what I'm saying? And unfortunately, we've got a lot of folks who said in our churches, they've heard about Jesus, they've read about Jesus, they've said it about Jesus, they can tell you all about Jesus, but they have never met Jesus. Because if you are in Christ, you've met him and encountered him, you become a new creation. There is a transformation. The old has passed away and all has become new. You know, it's, it's amazing when somebody truly gets saved and everything and people get uncomfortable. You know what they say? Well, you know, they're a little fanatical. Huh. I like that. Dr. T.V. Ferris, a great old man of God, Hebrew scholar, was preaching in one of my churches. And he got up and says, you know, y'all are always worried about fanatics. You know what I've learned about fanatics and what a fanatic is? Somebody that's one step closer than I am. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. And it's not because I chose it. It's not because I did it. You go back and look what it says. For God reconciled the world to himself through Jesus. God called me. God bought me. God says, I see you. I love you. You're valuable. I want you. And I'm, I, I've got to, I'm a holy God, and I've got to deal with the sin, and I'm going to pay the price for you, the, the ransom for you, and it's going to be Jesus. I'm going to reconcile you to me through Jesus. But you know what he turns around and says after that, if you read that? says, and he is given to those who are born again the new creation. He is given the word of reconciliation. Hey, I hate to tell you, God didn't save you to take you to heaven. Oh, I didn't say that. Yeah. Hey, if that was true, I'm going to tell, tell God, God, I don't like it. I I'm feel cheated. I've been saved now 60, what, 65 years almost. 
And if you were saving me to go to heaven, I wanted to go a long time ago. Because, man, I hate to tell you, there's been a lot of junk in this life that I'd have just soon missed. Oh, there's been a lot of victories, too. But the thing is, if it were, he just saving me to go to heaven, let's go. He didn't save me just to go to heaven. He saved me. He reconciled me. Why? And gave me the word of reconciliation because there is stuff that I've got to do before I go to heaven. The problem with so many who say they're Christians, and I believe many who are Christians and truly born again, they get born again here, they meet Jesus, it begins to change. They know one day they're going to go to heaven, or Jesus is coming back, and they don't know what to do in between. And so they just say, oh, I guess I'll just sit down and wait. No. You become a new creation because God's reconciled you and He's given to you the word of reconciliation. He goes on and says, and He has given unto us the ministry, the service of reconciliation. I have people all the time, well, I am not an evangelist. My gifting is not evangelism. Get over it. You've been born again, you're the new creation. He says right here, point blank, I gave you the word of reconciliation, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. Now that is another term that you, you know, that means you're supposed to be an evangelist. But you know what an evangelist is? Let me, I'm on, let me help you there. Because we get all bent out of shape about evangelism and, and, and evangelism and evangelists. That word evangeli in the, in the Greek, you know what it basically means? Here, here's a very loose translation. It says, go out and gossip about Jesus. It's not a formal sermon. It's not a formal teaching. That word basically means wherever you're going, just talk about Jesus. And here he says, I have reconciled you. I give you the word of reconciliation. I give you the, the ministry of reconciliation. You say, oh, yeah, but, you know, I'm not. And we go through all those things again about what we're not. I want to show you something. In that next verse down there, what is it? Verse 21, I think. Twenty-one. We are the ambassadors of Christ. Am I right? I haven't got my reading glasses on. 20. We are the ambassadors of Christ. Wow. You see, I mean, people are always saying, well, I'm a nobody. Nobody cares. I'm nothing. I don't have anything. You realize what an ambassador is? An ambassador is sent by someone to represent them to speak in their behalf, to represent them in all of areas. Uh, and the only thing about an ambassador, though, they represent, that is, they speak in behalf of the one who sent them. The message they take is not their message, it's the message of the one who took them or sent them. And you say, well, big deal. Well, hey, I could go be an ambassador. And they look at me and say, well, what? who are you? The thing that makes an ambassador work is when the one who sends them has power and authority to back it up. And God has dared declare when you become the new creation, 
you're not just saved and happy and going to heaven. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And as that, you become the ambassador, the, rec- the representative of God himself. And you come back and say, well, I don't have, I can't do. Get over it. You're the ambassador. All that he has is at your disposal to back you up that you can stand and say, my king. The Lord of Lords and King of Kings. I speak in His name and in His authority and based on His power. And you don't have to go and say, well, I'm sorry to bother you. And, and I realize this is not... No, I mean, you, don't, you, just, you can go in and... An ambassador. One who is sent in behalf of another with all the power and authority of the one who sent him. Tell you one of the the passages that just I, I I wrestle with it. I go back over again as Paul is praying and talking to the church at Philippi, and and so forth. And he gets down to that place where he says, "But my God, huh, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory through Christ Jesus." I think Paul knew what it was to be an ambassador. And, and, he had, and when he spoke that, he wasn't making it up. He was speaking in behalf of the ambassador. He had got that word from the king of kings. He was strictly speaking as an ambassador. He was not presuming upon God. He wasn't putting God in a corner. He wasn't trying to manipulate God. He wasn't a, a, a prosperity guy that says, well... God wants you healthy, wealthy, and why? He No, he was stepping up and saying, my God is able to meet every need you've got out of his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Well, have you been born again? Are you in Christ? Because the test of it is, it's not mine, it's the test of it is, is there a new creation? Is there a break? The old is gone. No, I'm not going to say that you're going to start out with sinless perfection. We know when Paul wrote to the church at, in, in the Hebrew uh, letter there, he, he says, "You all, many of you ought to be teachers, but you're not. I have to f- feed you with the milk of the God. I know there's a process of growth. But if you've truly met Christ, you will be changed, transformed radically. Not just kind of a little. And if you've truly been changed, he's given you responsibility. And that's to be his ambassador with the word of reconciliation that as you go it is God who is pleading and speaking through you to those that you share with. Let me end in this way. I don't know about you but sometimes I argue with God. I've never won one yet. I was in South Africa years ago 
was going way down near the Indian Ocean back in a place I'd never been. I had to get someone to take me. That was before there was GPS and all that sort of thing. In fact, there weren't even maps in those days. Pull into this little village where they'd said, well, we haven't seen a man of God in two years. And, and so I pull up to this little church that they had, mud brick, and, and over here on the wall there was the bricks that cratered away and the hole big enough to drive a, a van through. When I got there with this gentleman who had taken me, there was, I don't know, about five women and a group of children. Greeted them, man, they were excited. They loved the Lord. And yet the Spirit kept saying in me, preach an evangelistic message. I said, God, that can't be you because I've talked all that. Man, these women, they walk with you closer than I do. They know you. They're excited about you. The Spirit just kept saying, preach an evangelistic message. A little bit of man showed up. Greeted him. He was a believer. He had walked two days because he had tuberculosis and his lungs were bad and he wanted the man of God to pray for him. You talk about an humbling experience and a challenging experience for Baptists. And yet the Spirit kept saying, preaching evangelist message, I said, God, that man, that guy's walked two days to get here. We went in, we had the service, we sang. As I try always to do, I finally said, okay, God. And I got up and I preached a very simple, I was going to preach a very simple salvation message. I just started and I had them open the Bible when all of a sudden the back door opened, this man comes in, the women stand up to start singing, which I've been there long enough to know that this gentleman was someone of importance and and so I stopped, and they sang while he came down and sat. And uh, over here on the left where the men sat. And when he sat down, they sat down, and I knew to go on. And I preached the salvation message. I finished. Basically gave an altar call. Nobody responded at all. I had the man who had walked two days to come, and we prayed for him. Thought we were ready to leave, and I said, Was there anything else that needs to be shared? Anything else we need to, to do before we go? And this old man who had come in raised his hand and said, May I speak? And I said, Yes. And he introduced himself as the head man or sub chief. We basically call him a mayor. A mayor, and he said, uh, I've come today because boys, being boys like they will, were playing around your church, I don't know, some days ago. And they got to throwing rocks, and they threw a rock, and they knocked out the window. When he said that, I looked up because I've already described there's a hole over here big enough to drive a, a van through. I started looking at other, and there wasn't a pain in any of them, I don't think. And he said, but I have come to seek your forgiveness. And man, I felt integrity. So I did everything I knew to do to receive the apology and grant the forgiveness and express appreciation. 
he, we finished that. He sat down. We sang another song. We're ready to leave. I again said, is there anything else to say? This old man raised his hand. He said, can I say something? I said, yes, sir. And as he stood there, he said, I have already told you I'm the head man. I make the decision of where all the churches are. I've heard of Jesus all my life because I know where the Methodist and the Presbyterian and the Apostolic Faith and the Baptist and so I, I've heard of Jesus all my life. Now this is, I'm 72, it's the first time I've ever been in a church other than a funeral. But then he pointed at me and said, but I've never heard about the Jesus this man just talked about. I want that And he was born again. He wasn't just believing. The man who was with me that handled also much better than I did got with him and shared and prayed. I got ready to leave. There was a knock on my window. And I rolled it down. It was the old man. He said, my name is, write it down. I said, I remember. No, I want you to know the decision and commitment I made to Jesus is real. I'm going to live for Jesus. I went on my way. I never went back. About, that had been probably 83, and about 2003, 20 years later, I was down in that area. I go to this church. When I walk in, there's those five ladies. They were so excited, except they walked up and said, Pastor, we thought you'd be an old, old man. Well, I was. I was about 50 then. And uh, they shared. And they said, you remember that old man who came? I smiled. I said, oh, yeah, I'll never forget. He said, the rest of his life, he lived for Jesus. He stood in our tribe, in the politics, in our community. He stood up for Jesus. To the day he died. I said, oh. They said, you remember the man who came to be prayed for that had the tuberculosis, was dying? I said, yeah. I said, oh, he walked up and down the coast telling people what Jesus did for him for years. Till he died. My thought has always been, God, why would you take an old boy like me way off out there in Texas that doesn't know much of anything and send him all the way to South Africa and then all the way out in the boondocks where nobody goes in those days to meet one man? Don't discount what God's got for you or where it is. It may not be South Africa. It may be on a street corner. It may be your neighbor. It may be where I, I can't tell you. The thing is become the new creation.
you can be where God wants you to be. And though you may not understand and like I did want to argue with him, but when you get obedient, he does his God thing. It is not I, but the Christ who is in me. Are you in Christ and is Christ in you? It's not an easy believism. It's a drastic transformation and change. You die, you're buried, and by the Spirit of God you're raised to walk in the newness of life. What's God saying to you now? How's the Holy Spirit taking and interpreting these things to you? You can't live my life. These stories are my story. But you can walk with my God. And the truth is still the truth. For that's Jesus. Do you know Jesus or do you know about him? Let me pray. Father, you desire for all of us to have life and have it abundantly. Dear Lord, it's your desire that every one of us become that new creation. It's not for a few, not just for the special, not just for the super spiritual, Lord. It's for everyone that's going to be born again. So Holy Spirit, you have to interpret this. You have to open our eyes to see you have to reveal to us where we are. And when you do, you'll reveal what needs to be done. Lord, I think about Isaiah and the great temple vision when he saw you high and lifted up and all of the splendor and wonder and glory. And he cried out, Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm sinful. And yet, Lord, you cleansed him. And then he was close enough to hear you say, who will go for us? And he said, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, I pray you let us get that close. Whatever it takes, get it out of the way. Whatever it is that's hindering, whatever it is that, that we want to use an excuse, whatever it is that would hinder us from being reconciled to you, and then being an ambassador through which we will take that ministry of reconciliation to others. God, be pleased just to walk among us. We need you. We don't need more teaching. We don't even need more understanding. We need your presence. We need you to show up even as you did with Isaiah, as you did, dear Lord, throughout the scriptures, as you have so often throughout life, Lord, we need you. We need you. And you said you would send the Holy Spirit who would take the things of Christ and make them known. Holy Spirit, we believe. 
tonight you're going to make him known. We give you praise and honor and glory. Amen. Is there any word that needs to be shared? Thank God say Yes. Okay. God is working so much right now in the world today and this war in Israel's got a lot of people aware that it might not be too long before Jesus comes back again. I had a, a person come to me this week and say, Does this mean it's gonna be the end of the world? A person who's claimed to know Jesus for many years. And I said, well, no, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world, but it's getting really close, and you need to be prepared. Well, I just don't know if I really know him or not. And I said, I cannot tell you whether you do or not. It's up to you to do that, but let me show you something. And I used the scripture, going back to what you preached tonight, um, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, that says, Jesus said, Deny yourself. Take up my cross daily and follow me. That night, that person accepted Christ, even though they thought they were already saved. We need to tell the truth and let them know it's not easy to be a Christian. It's not easy to be ready, but we better be. Somebody here? Mm -hmm. Just heard today um, a guy named CP. He's from Missouri, but um, he went to um, Tulsa for rehab through a friend of his that had gone through the program and it's a, a Christian base and he was doing so wonderful and it um, just heard today that he got out and got high and because he had to go to a couple court dates but the, the thing is he needs the Lord and they teach it there and preach it there but he needs the Lord, and he feels the court dates and whatever he was going through, he felt was so overwhelming that there was no use trying. So just pray. He's out on the streets in Tulsa tonight. Just pray that he will go back. They will take him back, and um, he will find the Lord and, and see him through this time and let him know the hope that's there for him. Um, so thank you. I pray that uh, as things like this are shared, expect the Holy Spirit to say to you or to someone, become that intercessor. That intercessor that stands between them and God, yes. Where God can reveal. But also you have to realize this from the intercessor. <laughs> this is a part I don't like. You're willing to stand between them and the devil. And you're willing to say, 
Anything Satan you want to take at him, you can bring at me. Not because I'm strong, but the Christ who's in me. Because I have the whole armor. And we've got to become that desperate to fight. You know, we've got to be willing to in. We, we sang a while ago, we've got the victory. And we're not afraid of the storm and all those things. We've got to get beyond where we're just seeing those things. So yes, we would need to be an intercessor that stands for them between where they are and God, that God, the Holy Spirit, can reveal, can bring revelation. But at the same time, sometimes you've got to be willing to stand between them and the devil and say, God, I stand here so that you can give them the revelation and the devil not steal it. And man, that's a battle. And, and it's a fight. I, that's why I think we've got so few intercessors, because you're entering into the into warfare of warfares and everything. All of us ought to pray for people. I'm not saying that. Uh, you know, and, and I tell people quite often, because I encounter people, and they'll say, Monty, will you pray? And I pray for them right then. But then I, here's what the Lord is, generally gets me to say to them, uh, probably the majority of them, I will pray for you every time God brings you to my mind. I'm not going to promise I'm going to pray for you every day or every morning or every whatever. Now, if God tells them to do that, I will. But if not, my promise to you is every time God brings you to mind, I will pray for you. Now, if he shows me what you need, I'll pray specifically. If not, I will know, hey, they need something. God, you know what it is. I agree your will be done. Get it to them. My God says supply all your needs out of his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And get into the fight. You know, there in Ephesians 6, where it talks about it, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of the principal. Well, you know where most of us need to stop that verse? For we wrestle not. Full stop. And it's not there. we got to get in the battle, guys. Like I say, we talk about the world. We talk about all the evil that's going on and, and all this stuff until we as a church get in it. And so back to where you are with CP, you know, whether it's you, maybe there's someone else here that God says, okay, I've got to get in the battle. I've got to get in the fight specifically in that situation. And it may cost you some hours tonight or through the night or the next days or the next several weeks. I don't know. Some of the rest of us, it may be, all right, I'm going to bring CP to your, to your mind. Okay, God, if it comes to my mind, I'll know I need to pray. If you tell me something specific, and realize God can do that, folks. If it's specific, then I'll pray specifically. If it's just I, he's on my mind, then I'm going to come back and say, okay, God, I don't, you haven't shown me what, but I am standing in his behalf. So get in on it. Amen. CP will be free. Hallelujah. A new creation in Christ. Anybody else? You know, if we will come to the place where we get serious about being born again and allowing folks to, like CP, wrestle through it and quit trying to fix it and make them feel good and convenient, then you stand them up here and they say, let me tell you what a mighty God I have. He delivered me. I was truly dead and I'm alive. And they're not going to talk a whole lot about it. Well, I walked an aisle and prayed a prayer and they patted me on the back and 
said, hey, now you're ready to go to heaven. I'm not going to say you didn't get saved doing that, but man, there's a whole lot more to it. If that's all you got, you ain't got, you got about that much. Unfortunately, a lot don't have any. I mean, they've done that, it's religious, but they hadn't met Jesus. They don't know him. And uh, so, any other word that needs to be shared? You know, this is how Bible's supposed to be. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. And he loves you. Amen. I mean, this is what church, I mean, it's supposed to be body life. We've got so used to sitting there and listening and observing. Anybody else? The Holy Spirit's just moving. Maybe there's a scripture he's put on your heart. Maybe there's somebody here you just need to speak and encourage. Maybe there's somebody here you need to go to and say, look, I need to be forgiven or I need to pray with you or, or whatever. You know, hey, it's all right. You can jump over those pews. It won't matter. Or you can crawl over or around or under whatever. If God says do it, do whatever it takes to get it done. That's really what it's about. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. And all things are become new. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Man, I've got so many things going through my head. We'd be if y'all stay, well, we we go home about two in the morning or maybe tomorrow afternoon. So Is there anybody that's got a need here tonight that if we quit right now and go out that door, your need's not met? Anybody? You've got a need. It may be spiritual. It may be mental. It may be emotional. It can be physical. It could be material. I don't know because that's the realms we live in. But is there anybody here that's got a need tonight that in, in honesty with what you sense God is saying, if we stop right now and you go out, that need's not going to be met. Anybody? Yes, sir? Can you share or... Okay. Can we pray with you after the service? All right. All right. Hallelujah. Just pray. Just allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do. We don't have to fix it, folks. We're just ambassadors. Hallelujah. We get in on what God's up to. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Anything? Hallelujah. One of the hardest things to do is sometimes to let folks walk through the hard things. My phone rang at 6.30 Thursday morning when I was starting over here. Well, as a text. This young man I'm walking with said, call me when you can. So I called him about 7. Like I said, he struggled with the drugs. He struggled with this. And, 
And he said, Monty, it's just not. And I, I feel like I'm on fire. I think I've got a demon. I think I'm going to hell. I let him go. And he went on. And I'm sitting there praying. All right, God, what's going on? And you know what the Lord told me? And I shared with him. The Lord said, well, hey, I've chosen Jacob. And he's going to be a special vessel. And I've got him in the fire because I've got to purify him. And it hurts. And, and, and he's afraid. And, and all those things are real. But I'm not going to leave him. I'm not going to forsake him. He's not going to hell. Because I've chosen him. But he's got to walk through the fires like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or just like Stephen. Or just like so many have gone before. Well, I started sharing. I thought, man, that's, you know, that's kind of hard to share with a guy that's called you. That's, you know. And, and I shared with him, you know, and everything like that. By that time he got quiet and he got calm. He said, last night when I was talking to Mama, a man about 42 or 3 years old, talking to Mama, I said, you know, Mama, maybe God's just doing this so I'll chase Him. I'm, I'm hungry for Him right now. I'm reading my Bible more. I'm praying. Maybe God's just doing this so I'll chase Him. And he says, then you turn around and God's chosen me and He's put me in the... That's the same thing, Monty. I said, hmm, God has a word. Sometimes we can't get folks out. We just have to get in it with them. When they weep, we just have to weep. Isn't that what the Scripture says? When they rejoice, we rejoice. God did not call us to be fixers. Only He can fix it. Only He can bring the new creation. Anything else? Anybody else needs to share? Anything of the Lord saying? Hey, it's good when you get with God. Thank you again for being willing to seek Him, to long for Him, to want His will in your life. And realize whatever it costs, He's better. As Paul says, whatever we suffer in this earth will never compare to the glories of our God. Any other words? Jeff, I guess it's a little bit different for an invitation, but hey, all you have to do is what God wants. Hallelujah. Hmm. Anything? we wind this up and
go, I, I don't want to drag it out. I'm going to say this. If you need someone to pray with you, I know there are people here that do it. I'll be available and Mac and Cherry and I know there are others. If there's someone you need to talk to, hey, I don't go home supposedly till Monday morning. So we got time. Don't, you know, say, well, that's not convenient. I don't want to bother him. Don't do that. It's not a bother. Jesus was obedient all the way to the death of the cross. We can be obedient. I've done without sleep a whole lot of times. That's not an issue. So if you have a need, don't go out of here without at least praying about it and finding a hope in Him. I'm not going to tell you He's going to fix it tonight. Just like I had to say with Jacob the other morning, son, you're just in the fire. I can't tell you if it's going to last another hour, a day, months, another five years. I can't tell you. That's, that's God's business. But He's getting you pure. He's getting rid of all the junk because he's got a plan. Are you glad you were here? Hallelujah. He is great. He is an awesome God. (laughs) I just, you know, breaks my heart that so many So many have so little of all that he bought. The writer of Hebrews said he saved us to the uttermost. Let's live to the uttermost. Not by our power or our might, but by his spirit. All right. I think it's time to go somewhere else. Again, I will be available. Others will be available if you need us. Just do what God says do. And it'll be all right. All right. Bill, where are you? I was told you're supposed to do something. I was telling uh, Larry, um, he's got such a burden for his children. It's breaking his heart. Boy, if we had that same kind of burden in our lives, our hearts ought to be broken. Mine is. I got a brother, his wife. They've got six children. Most of them are married, have children, their own. They will go to hell because they deny Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And I shared this Wednesday night about my niece, Amelia. 
they're in a false religion. She's in Hoffa, uh, in danger. And I was telling Larry, shortly after I was saved, I was on an aircraft carrier, and uh, I know you think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. But I worked on flight deck control, and we had two lieutenant commanders, Lieutenant Commander Barnacle and Lieutenant Commander Seaman. They were the most crudest, foul-mouthed, ungodly men you have ever met in your life. And a couple weeks after I got saved, I walked up to the man living to the Lord's gym, and, and uh, he was praying. And I heard him praying about these two lieutenant commanders that had threatened him not to share the gospel. And when he got done, I said, Jim, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm praying for their salvation. I said, that's good, but do you think they'll ever be saved? He says, I know they will. I said, how do you know they will be saved? And he said, God's word will not return void. Okay, tomorrow night, um, men and uh, boys... Um, it's a service that's directed just towards, well, basically towards the men and the boys. Um, and why just the men? Are they special? No, but they need to be. They need to be spiritually special. Uh, at, from... Approximately 5.30 to 6.30, we're going to have a meal for them. Um, all the men and the youth are welcome to come over. Um, it's going to, be a, going to be a good meal. We're having preacher steaks. No, we're not. That's bologna, folks. That's preacher steaks. No, but we're having a good meal. I want to encourage you to come back and serve us tomorrow night. At, uh, at 7 o'clock, uh, Sunday morning, uh, a regular worship service at 11. And what, from what I understand, that uh, uh, Sunday school classes um, are going to stop a little bit short and have a time of prayer for the services Sunday morning. And then... Uh, Sunday evening from about 5.15 to uh, 5.45. They're uh, going to meet back in the youth lounge for a time of prayer and then uh, at 6 o'clock have another service. So I want to encourage you all to, to come and to bring somebody with you. Uh, we're taking up a love offering and um, it will depend upon how much the love offering is. If it's not much, we got to change the guys back there to get somebody different. It might be scaring you all away. Um, but uh, anyway, so anything else before we close? You got that thing wrapped real. Guys. Uh, we wasn't able to get anything in this bulletin that we're having this weekend, but the following Sunday, 
uh, Brother Mac wants to meet with the men's ministry uh, officers, and we're going to be discussing uh, some very important items. So please plan on meeting that. It will be in the next bulletin that's coming up for the 22nd. But plan on that ahead of time, please. I may have been out there, but I still heard the message. Uh, what a message from God. That was good. Amen? Okay. It wasn't quite good enough because everybody was still sitting down. Um, so I guess we'll have to fix that for tomorrow night. Okay. Um, anything else? Let's have a closing word of prayer. Brother uh, Tim Degner, would you lead us in a closing word?